Intel reveals the rulebook for their Intel World Open, and the FGC immediately expresses a ton of trepidation and doubt. But is there a chance that this online endeavor could somehow wind up being legit? Plus, we've had five days of Topanga 2020 action now, and have learned a lot about Season 5 of Street Fighter V as a result. We share some of our takeaways there, and then Catalyst tries to convince us that Armika is better than she is, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. So, how's it going? How's your morning going? It's going well. It, it's it's going there. You heard me doing my uh, vocal exercises here to warm up and kind of get going. And uh, I'm, is that I'm when you say go. Guerrero? No, actually, I was doing the the whole uh, yeah, the whole la 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 <laughs> like that kind of dumb thing. It actually works to get your voice going. I don't want to sound completely shrill or whatever, you know, uh, on here on the pod. So that's what people accuse me of with my my voice definitely sounding shrill. Shrill. I have not. I mean, I've listened to all these, I guess, twice because I listen to when we record and I listen to them when we play it back and I'm editing and I've never thought shrill, but I'm also your employee. So of course I'm going to say that. Go on Twitter more often and you'll see all sorts of stuff. About <laughs> no, me, so I'm supposed to not do that, man. <laughs> Everyone says that, that less Twitter equals more happiness. So that's uh, actually pretty true but yeah um i digress uh so speaking of less happiness actually oh, we're gonna talk about ari aster movies um not yet <sighs> um i'm definitely we're definitely gonna get there at some point but i want to talk about the street fighter 5 until it rolled open and Fine. you have been following this very closely uh and, and what are you seeing so far so this is part of a bigger picture and i don't know exactly which angle we want to dive in first or or if we want to attack it from all sides but this is certainly um, a look into the potential future of where we're going with fighting games and esports and using online as a, a very valid platform for competition and for exploring these games and exploring the competitive scene and I with where we're at right now I don't see how it's all going to work like I, I don't because when you play online, it just I, I, I'm trying my best to keep an open mind and see it from various angles. I was playing on um, week two of Street Fighter Amateur League last night, and I could not get myself out of, of thinking that this just isn't legit. This is not finding out who the better player is because when you introduce that lag factor, especially when there aren't many parameters for how far away the uh, the matches are geographically, physically from each other, you go, well, okay, so what? Ha- who cares if I win? You still feel the salt of losing, but like when you win, it's like, well, great, but there's a huge asterisk next to it. Um, but all that said, the Intel World Open... Uh, we got the the rule list and kind of a general outline for what we can expect from this. And it absolutely is more and it's different than anything we've seen in terms of an online organized circuit and, and entity like this. Um, it's different than anything we've seen before. There's the potential for a lot more professionalism, um, a lot more efficiency. And I am approaching it still with a great sense of caution um, I'm keeping my hopes low, but I am I am optimistic in that I'm willing to be pleasantly surprised at this. So that's kind of my my general approach, my general thought to the whole thing. What about you? Uh, I, I really feel that we have to start somewhere yeah. with the fighting game tournaments online, and this is somewhere. 
and anyone going in expecting this to be the most valid way of choosing the best players and all the other kind of stuff when we have decades of history in the fighting game community of doing tournaments a certain way, doing wild flying, having them ran that way. And even then we have complaints about those tournaments. Like, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this here in a bit, but you know, um, leg on the monitors for Capcom cup, you know, are, you know, the setups or something like that. Maybe it was a PS fours, maybe it was whatever. Um, there, there's even then at like a an offline level, you know, we we have we have issues. So when you you turn the stuff and you go online, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like the amount of of, of problems that can happen there. So I, but I look at all this stuff and I look at you know PC esports and things, and I go, but they run a lot of their stuff online, mm-hmm. and you know people will say immediately, well, fighting games are way more you know precision and way more timing and all that other kind of stuff than these other games, and I go to those people, I say, if say that to a pro level first person shooter you know esports player, say that your game requires way more precision and accuracy than their game. And I think you're going to get a few uh, not nice words thrown back in your direction. And, and I mean, it, it's it's a little bit apples to oranges. You know, at a certain point, um, yeah. I played first-person shooters at a pretty good clip back in the Quake 2 days. Um, I'm about, you know, I was telling the guys I'm about the same level uh, uh, in fighting games um, now as I was back with first-person shooters. So not incredible, but, you know, I could hold my own, right? I personally feel they're about the same, you know, and, and I know that sounds blasphemy, blasphemous or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it gets apples and oranges a little bit uh, at that point. So where I'm going with this is that we have to kind of just launch and and try to fix the issues as they come up and organically try to make this better because us making online tournaments more viable uh, is going to increase our player base. It's going to make so many more things feasible. It's a good, no, it's a great opportunity for our community to grow and get way better. It's just going to be a lot of growing pains with it. That's kind of how I look at it. So we're, we're kind of throwing our, our ourselves or maybe our metaphoric kid in the deep end of the pool, the Olympic-sized swimming pool, as it were. And not expecting that they're suddenly going to be swimming Olympic laps, but you got to start somewhere, like you said, and that's kind of the first step. And we have behind us here the Intel guys. You know, these guys know what's up when it comes to setting up connections. And and I mean, I, I don't know the first thing about it. I don't even necessarily have the diction to be able to articulate it all. But I can say that if you're going to trust someone to be able to set something up, like this with a sense of efficiency and when you're talking about this is the world stage this is going to be heading into the tokyo olympics and and you got professionals like it's it's the big dogs and i don't know how much we've we've operated with the big dogs and that's not to say that the people that the you know the powers that be in the current fighting game community aren't absolutely amazing what they with what they do and aren't innovative and aren't able but they might not have the technology, they might not have the manpower, whatever it is that these kind of new agents or entities that we're working with potentially do. Now, there's, of course, going to be a bunch of restriction in that when you're talking about, well, how are you going to make the online better if you're just an Intel person or whatever, you know, your, your, your setups, you're still limited by the game, you know, and, and what Capcom has created and the netcode and all that stuff. And, and yeah, you're probably right. But... I guess I'm saying that I suspect we might see new potential, new ideas, new workarounds, new solutions to the problems that we're currently having, or at the very least, 
make these problems known to people that both have the uh, the ability to deal with them and uh, and and by that I mean both like they they understand the issues and can create fixes and they have the resources to do so. It's like we're getting up there into that space where yeah, maybe we're a total mess. Maybe the Intel world open and the circuits leading up to it are all over the place and Joe Schmo 69420 wins when that person would never have won in any, you know, like they they've never place in the top 128 of Evo or whatever, but they win because it's online and yada yada. And it's just a total, total crap show. But people say, okay, but but we could fix it. And we can see where the issues happened. And then we do it again. And it's a little more ironed out. And we do it again. It's a little more ironed out. And then the process refines and refines. And then finally, we get to a place where we have our cake and we're able to eat it too. But I mean, maybe it goes better than that, even on this first run. Because you look at uh, one of the things I know we want to talk about are the the rules that came out and hot damn does this not look like a uh, uh just the most professional thing ever compared to what we're used to seeing in in fighting games and in tournaments right they've got this whole pdf document for what the rules are for participating in all of this and it's not just like a two out of three no switching no switching characters except for on a loss and uh if someone pauses it's up to the person that paused that, that loses it's like no there are fees if you break certain rules and you win, it's like a percentage of your winnings get docked from you. You have to sign um, sign up to be available for interviews and and things along those lines. Uh, <laughs> you can't play in anything except for the track suits, I think it is. <laughs> There's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff, a bunch of regulations going on. But you can tell that this is being done by people that have been around the block. And so that's interesting to me. Yeah, um, I, I do want to go back to one thing you said about Joe Blow 420, uh, you know, winning the entire tournament and stuff like that. That's not happening. Like, look, the online is valid enough where you're not going to be able to get all the way through these rounds and win everything because, you know, they have uh, like the latency uh, disputes and whatnot, where if you feel that your match integrity was compromised, you can, you know, you can flag that down and say, hey, this was messed up and, you know, fix it. And that's with like the online tournament portion of, of like the um, uh, what Capcom is working on. But I assume that's in here somewhere as well, mm -hmm. where you can, you know, flag down stuff that's you know based on latency and it's like hey look you know someone flipped a leg switch or whatever and it's like their connections dog crap that you know I'm, I'm challenging the results of this I mean it, you can do that stuff like it's <laughs> so I mean when that, you only you got know, one game you better make sure that it's uh that it's efficient right because that's the first the first uh yeah. the first level of all of this or the first phase is a single elim right yeah, and so, but what will happen? And I totally agree with is that uh, some people are going to get cheated. Where it's like, yeah, you know, the the game hardcore uh, had latency when I was trying to do an uppercut and I died, and you know, I got fifty percent because this is Street Fighter Five. It's a very unforgiving game, and the guy did you know a fifty percent combo on me or whatever, and, and now I'm dead and, and I lost and our team lost. And it's like, yeah, that's probably going to happen at some point, and that's one of the problems of playing online, and that's something that we can again can try can try to figure out. Like people are complaining about this being sim single elimination. And it's like, yeah, see, that's probably an issue with playing online because you want to have more games where, you know, you can kind of smooth over those rough edges of playing online. Right. And, and I would assume that you wouldn't be under as many time constraints of playing online as you would at you know, like a tournament because it's like unlimited setups and unlimited things that just have enough staff to run it. Right. Yeah. 
So there's a there's a bunch of things I think that the next time around we can definitely smooth over. But if you have issues with the stuff, complain about it. Say, hey, this is wrong. I think there's people out there listening, especially we know on the, the Capcom esports side, they're pretty darn good. And and they, they actively communicate. They talk a lot with the community. Um, I think they're very much paying attention to how this is running and how it's not. You know, it's tied in with the Olympics. This is a big deal. And so I think that... I think that it's going to be a bit of a lopsided experience, but I also think that there's going to be enough validity in here where it's worth watching and checking out. To so. save you some Twitter hate, unless they're already doing it and they pause the podcast and are <laughs> going on your Twitter right now, uh, just to specify, when you say that Capcom has good communication in their esports side of things, you're talking about you know the people that have been responding, people like Mama Dow and such, and that mm-hmm. have and 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 yes, we have seen um, uh, an increase in communication from Capcom. Uh, uh, on these kind of fronts, so yes, but I, I, there's still certainly yes, everyone and arguments be made that Capcom as a whole and maybe Capcom Japan still have to level up that part of their uh, their communication practices. Yes, for sure. But there has absolutely been evidence of a lot of people or a lot of Capcom representatives being aware of this issue and trying to do what they can to mitigate it and get over it. So I think that's what we're getting at there. But <laughs> I just, I could see your, your, your notification bell just ding, 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 just going right up with, uh, with a lot of Twitter hate. And I wouldn't want to see you go through that boss. <laughs> I appreciate that. Right. Um, so but the, the one thing that I'm wondering as I go into this are things like single elimination and the fact that when you're playing Okay, so even when we get further down the line, you're actually still playing on online connections despite being with people, right? It's like in a land situation, although there isn't a land mode for Street Fighter V, at least not yet. So they're still playing online even though they'll be locally together is what I understand. Yeah, um, if you look at the FAQ on their website, they say that the PCs used in the broadcast uh, and uh, complete backend infrastructure, like it will be done through a LAN. And what that kind of tells me is that uh, Intel's going to kind of jerry rig this where it's technically playing through the online portion of things, but like it's over a LAN. So it's basically simulating an online type thing. So it runs compatible with the game. Uh, if there's people who understand how to do this and do it at a high level, it's Intel. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much like directly the Intel technicians are going to be involved with this uh, in the finals and stuff like that. But my assumption would be that they're going to be involved at some level. Um, Intel's coders and, and technical people are some of the best on the planet. Mm-hmm. So if they get a few of those to help set this up and make sure it's good to go i think it will be just fine um it's basically like street fighter 5 doesn't have a land mode and they want to play it on pcs because intel makes pcs or they make pc hardware right so they want to run it there that's how they want to do it uh and so it makes sense doing it in that way they also could do like versus mode head to head like you know just put people on you know one pc and and there you go and there's no issues but um i I will say we just complained about capcom cup having latency on their monitors or their setups or whatever well pcs are way more powerful i assume at least that the ones are going to be using are way more powerful than the ps4 so the issues with frame rate overheating and even input latency could actually be scaled back dramatically and stuff with you know the monitors lagging and the players having issues with it actually this could potentially be if it's set up and configured perfectly which you know it could be uh, it could be a much better not maybe not much better but a better experience than capcom cup was so it's something it's yeah, something people faith. aren't really looking at well yeah go ahead on this particular idea that or a subject that we'll be playing locally even though we uh, or we're playing basically a, in a battle lounge locally i'm not too worried about it but it is something that people are kind of worried about uh, or expressing concern with 
I so so getting back to what I'm kind of uh, wondering at this point, it seems like the idea of having a first one and um, and a local land or whatever it is is a disconnect from what people are expecting and it's just business people with suits that have money that say how do we put this on and then once it's oh you can play it online well that fixes all their problems but then on the other side the the more competitive and hardcore fighting game community goes that's not the same thing at all and you're not creating what you think you're creating because there are some very very important and significant differences here. I wonder if there truly is disconnect or if the people that are putting this on are more aware than we might be um, prompted to give them credit for and that really a lot more I's and T's will be dotted and crossed than we think. Um, I'm hoping for that. Uh, but but I tend to default over to like nobody knows what they're doing and just like guard myself with that. Uh, Intel is very they they are very invested in esports and they understand that a lot of their sales and other things can come from that. Um, they're partnered up with ESL for this event um, and uh, that could you know people who don't know the FGC intimately they might have some problems there you know mm. but overall in terms of them understanding what esports is and how it works they understand it at a very high level uh intel does not mess around with this, this is a big investment for them um esl of course is based entirely in esports i mean this is not something that either of these groups take lightly um or don't have any idea of how to make it work their experience just is not in the realm of of you know the fighting game community not much of it at least uh they're getting there so i could see some growing pains from that but but overall um they're they're heavily based in this i was just thinking about this as a growing pains sort of a scenario where i'm going in not expecting anything and if nothing happens from this that's sad but it's also like well okay maybe we're just not there yet but maybe a little bit happens maybe a lot happens in terms of progress and us being able to play online and have that as more of a valid way of communicating through fighting games we'll see uh it's it's certainly I, I an mean, endeavor I, and i just i have to jump in and say like you know the we'll see has already happened because we jumped in and, and we had people say hey the net code sucks and we very strongly feel that part of the reason capcom addressed this is because of the uh, because of intel because of the olympics and whatnot this is a huge deal for the company we know personally it is a gigantic deal for their company and people you know knocking the integrity of playing online and whatnot and saying hey we you know made a better mod in five minutes or something like that that looks very poor on capcom's end and they jumped in and fixed it and we have mm, evidence they, right they made now it better but they, I don't, I, people are, the word on the street yeah, is, it's not a fix, but it's an improvement. Quibbling over fixer are that I get it. Yeah. That's, and that's not, that's not unfair. I definitely think some people would take issue with me saying fixed it, but yes. Um, but anyway, they did improve it. And, and we've already, my point is, is we have evidence that Capcom is getting more invested in the online portion of things. Yes. And when Ono did an interview with Eurogamer, he even talked about it for street fighter six said day one, we have to have great net code in this game. And, and it's like, okay, you know, why not Street Fighter Five? And thank goodness they went back and updated it uh, again now. Um, but I, the evidence is building that they are recognizing that online needs to be a brighter and better portion of our future. And but I mean, we got like I said, we got to start somewhere. There have been so many lessons learned with Street Fighter Five, and understandably so. It is it's a continuation of a franchise that's been around for more than thirty years now. But it is also a first chapter for fighting game esports in a lot of significant ways, and it's new ground. And there's no way the the roads aren't paved. It's going to be bumpy for sure, and it has been. Yep. 
but like you're saying, they go, okay, it, it took some time, but they're paying attention to online. They're realizing, okay, it's a big deal. Uh, input lag's not okay. And then all the gameplay adjustments that have happened. People have voiced what they want, and Capcom has taken a while, but they've done it. Will these lessons translate into what happens next with Street Fighter VI or whatever it is that comes after Street Fighter V? Or do we get a blank slate and then doing all the... <laughs> All these, going through all these problems again, probably a combination of both, but hopefully more, more of the former than the latter. I, I, and I did want to mention, um, to cl- close this out for myself, is that most of the pro players, they train heavily online. And if you go and look at their online win rates, I mean, they're dealing with all sorts of random things. And, and when you play online, you can't say, hey, you know, Joe Blow was legging our match and, you know, I, I don't think it should count type stuff. Like, but you can flag that out, you know, and say, hey, this was a bad experience. Like, what can we do? Pro players, their win rates online are really high. You go in there and look at like a Tokido or a Daigo, and I think they're at like 60-70% win rates or something, or even higher depending on their account. I think I've seen people up in the 90% win rates there. Uh, and so they're used to playing in these kind of environments. And yes, you know, like playing someone that's, you know, three countries away or whatever could be a huge difference uh, and, you know, be in a situation well, because you can never filter with, with, yeah, exactly. You can filter by exactly. connection. And then here, like last night, we were playing with Chicago and I'm getting matched up with people I would never run into otherwise you know and then you, you can go. see why and yes. it doesn't sound like intel has much in the way of of regulation on that you know outside of it being in your yep. region but your region being like the americas or something like that it's like yeah that's just not gonna fly i mean i should say i don't see how that's gonna fly but we'll see yeah with all that said it's it's those are the bumpy parts of the ride still and those are the things that we're not figured out but but some aspects of online like people train hardcore that's like the main training grounds for most pro players these days and you can go and look on cfn and see exactly what they're doing like it's not an ideal and perfect set of circumstances for you know deciding who the best players are but it is a way of of weeding out some of the lesser competition having a valid way of of getting to that final stage where it is offline Right. Like it's it's a way of doing that. And instead of having, you know, three days and every day is 16 hours, which most people cannot possibly keep up with, um, you know, uh, the pro sporting events are, are known uh, to, to try to get to about the two hour mark in terms of having a good thing that's viewable for people. Uh, they can check in, check out and they're good. You know, and FGC tournaments are far more than two hours at this yeah. point in time. <laughs> and days. so this is kind of, yeah. And, and so for the hardcore people, it's like you can watch this stuff. You can check it out. You can do it. Um, but for, you know, the average people. People who we're trying to sell a product to, uh, we want them to, you know, watch for a couple hours and, you know, get the the big sponsors and everyone else in there and go from that point. So, well, let's march on into it. Hope for the best, expect the worst and uh, hopefully land somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and I, we'll just mention here that the the whole like flag someone for latency type stuff I've been talking about, that is part of the, the... the Capcom tournament edition mode of Street Fighter V. It's not part of the Intel World Open as far as I can see. I just assume that that's what they're going to be using to play this um, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. Uh, I know that the two things are supposed to coincide with each other really well, and and that's part of that process. So I'm assuming, so if it doesn't end up that way, my bad, but uh, but there it is. So You know what they should do is tag anyone can win because there's multiple <laughs> meanings here because i'm reading that like the open uh, qualifiers will be single elimination uh so single elimination online and maybe you're facing someone from across the country or further hey anyone can win <laughs> yeah yeah lupe fiasco is gonna take it all so there we go <laughs> uh shouts to lupe I actually love his music but um anyway let's get into it now um three rashids and topanga block a 
all three of them got eliminated in the opening pool. And that, that was John Takauchi, Moke, Gotchkun, not a bunch of scrubs or anything like that. They were not able to place in the top three, which would have gone into the next round. Uh, that's out of nine players. And uh, they're out of the Topanga League now. Uh, Gotchkun, I will, will be careful about this because Gotchkun got close, but ultimately Daigo beat him to advance. Uh, so no Rashid left, left in tournament unless someone pulls out like a random alt character at this point. And my whole point of bringing this up is I have previously said this guy is not number one anymore. And I think he's top 10. And I fully stand by that statement. And I think this is yet again more proof of it. And we see tier list all up and down. Rashid number one, Rashid number two, all over the place still. Well, guess what? The odds of Rashid player making it into the, the second part of Topanga were pretty darn high with three of them out of nine. And not a single one did. Mic drop. Would you say that he's better than Armika? Oh, Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Mika, and we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. I can see where you're going. Um, <laughs> talking about but, mic drops here. <laughs> um, uh, Rashid's a top 10 character. He's really damn good. Like, uh, it's it's just he he's a lot worse than he was. And that's how stupid he was before. And how how come you and I just, like, were, were so upset with the character? Like, I, I, I guess people forget, like, how unbelievably dominant this character was for the last couple seasons. And he's not that anymore, if you ask me. He's not even close. And I know a lot of people disagree. That's fine. But I'm watching Rashid players swing away with stand heavy punch, crouch heavy punch, crouch medium kick, stand medium punch. All those buttons got nerfed and are now more with punishable. And uh, still, the rewards still outweigh the risk of, of for Rashid players to kind of keep hammering away on those. At least you'd think the rewards outweigh the risk. But the results are kind of actually saying otherwise now. I think Japan, again, heavily over, uh, overrating Rashid. Um, and I think that with these results coming out, I think it's possible that their tier, their tier lists that they've been putting out are going to start changing. Because they are getting more consistently with punished by hitting these buttons that it's so much in neutral. And people are able to basically walk forward on Rashid uh, where they were not able to do so before because he's just sitting there hammering away at his buttons, right? You can't, you can't really approach someone who's just sitting there spamming buttons They're just all day freestyling. Long. <laughs> exactly exactly but now they can't do that because now that the whiff punishing is happening they're getting they're actually getting blown up for it and i don't p think people understand how impactful it is to be able to just kind of walk forward on rashid and, and actually put him in bad situations where you really could not do that before and, and it's an entirely legitimate strategy at this moment in time you're watching it happen over and over again the rashids are having to think and the the main nerf I, i'm trying to figure out okay so why why is this happening now and there's a couple of reasons the first place your mind's probably going to go is character was nerfed and he was how was he nerfed it was in the neutral right it was in the uh, his ability to uh, well what you just laid out his buttons are not as good they hang out there longer um and and he can't just do them freely at the same time, a lot of other characters now have better tools to fight in the neutral, which is also significant. Plus, they get a little extra health and stun. They can stay around a little bit longer. And what we're seeing is people, uh, uh, these matches are are become neutral footsie fight fests. In, in yep. like no, here's, here's um, one of the big takeaways. One of the first things I noticed was how damn long these rounds are lasting. Now, uh, there are probably multiple factors that go into this, but as, the, uh, as a 10-year-old at heart, I have noticed over the last four years that uh, I'm almost certain the most common number for the timer to end on when a round's over is 69, 
which is both hilarious and informative because I, and, and sometimes at tournaments, um, like at local events, I can't do it anymore. Well, especially because that doesn't seem to be the case anymore, but also because my, my local guys know that I'll make like a bet. I'll be like, Hey, give me like 10 to one odds. I'll bet you a dollar versus 10 that this round ends at 69. And they think, Oh, you're just making a joke, but you're paying for it. Fine. Whatever. You're paying a dollar to make a stupid joke. But like after three rounds, I'll, I'll, I'll be up seven bucks, you know, uh, pretty easily. Now, when I was watching Topanga, given that these are going to be a little bit more patient than the average player probably, but even so, I watched a few games from uh, from last year and the year before, and, and the rounds are going by considerably faster. Almost every round was getting all the way down into the 30s and ending there or close thereby. And it's, it's not just do it, get in, and then go crazy with your Street Fighter V offense. It's a lot of poking, a lot of safe kind of like, how, how close can I get to you? Where are my general safe zones? Um, not as much offense until the knockdown happens. And even then, the rounds aren't just ending from there. And and when V-Trigger happens, albeit there aren't any Gs in Topanga, so, and he's like the <laughs> character that, that I would use as like the most extreme example, but we don't have him, so that's still out but these rounds are going all the way down to like the 30s and and it's very consistent like it's undeniable you go back and watch it's like they're taking a while and i think that's really good it's almost my mind goes uh maybe this is too much as far as esports goes because are people going to get bored watching this game now and did they overcorrect for what they want to do like i'm very happy to see that but i'm also not the average esports audience so i don't know but these rounds are going for a, a lot longer, and that means people are having to play the neutral game and think a lot more. And there aren't as many, like, I'm just going to do this, to, and I don't care what you're doing, and I don't care what, like, what if you blocked it or if you got hit. There's a lot more thought going into stuff, and we're seeing things slow down significantly. And that's happening specifically, I mean, it's happening across the board, but it's really nice to see it happen in the Rashid matchups. He wasn't so much one to be uh, reliant on V-Trigger. He had it basically in his movement and his normals. And the movement's still more or less there, but with his normals being nerfed, other people's normals being buffed um, and I gotta say that like maybe an extra 25 health is also adding to the length of rounds just a little bit yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the game has very, very clearly evolved into much more neutral play. And with Topanga as as the new and the latest example, it is the highest level play, so maybe it's not the average. But it's also like, well, this is when the best players around are going at it. This is what comes out of it. And this is what people are more or less striving to be able to play like. I think it's a really good look for the game. And the Rashid not being the one that's destroying everyone is the cherry on top. Yep, I agree. It's just one tournament, but again, I think there's a lot to read into here. And in terms of Rashid Watch 2020, which I, I like to call it, uh, Moke, John Takauchi, JB, they all seem locked in on Rashid now. You know, uh, so three people. Uh, Gachakun is still mainly on Rashid, but he is also dabbling with Sagat right now on CFN. So that's mostly four out of seven right there. You know, seven big time uh, Rashid players last season and pretty much all the other seasons and whatnot. So, but the other people they're they're looking elsewhere. Uh, Oil King is playing a lot of Seth at the moment. I know he was playing like Ed and stuff before. Uh, he might be going through that whole training process that a lot of pros do when a new character comes out. 
where they grind with them a lot so that when they run across them in tournament, they're not taken by surprise. Yeah, exactly. A lot of pros do that. So I'm not shocked to see him there. I'm really curious where Oil King is going to end up at. Uh, It's a little hard to read him exactly, um, but I will say that his Seth looks solid here in week two. Um, It doesn't hold up well against like top-level competition, so I'm still sticking with my prediction of Seth being bottom 10, but we'll get into that here in a second. Um, As for Big Bird and Dual Kevin, neither guy is playing online a ton, but both have looked... uh, to have heavily switched off Rashid to G. Uh, no shock there. Uh, G has got a case here for being the number one character in the game, uh, especially with these two guys moving over. Definitely tears enthusiast here. Um, so even if everyone stays as is, or as I just listed them off, that's still roughly 30 to 40% less Rashid players you're going to see at the highest levels of play. Uh, and that's if two or three people have dropped him. And, and two people look to have firmly done it. I'm pretty sure the third one is there. And there might even be more. And, and that is a huge deal, just given how much we've seen this character in the past. Yes, he's still a presence. Yes, he's still good. But damn, am I ever happy just to see him quite a bit less than we were seeing him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's PTSD more than anything that have people placing him still up at like number one, number two, number three kind of range when mm-hmm. top 10. I mean, if after what I saw over the weekend, if uh, or actually after the weekend, because I didn't watch that because it was on at 2 a.m. my time, but I've gone back and watched a lot of it. And I would say that Rashid, if you told me he was like 15th or so, I would be like, oh, there's probably a case for that. And then that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. But top 10 is is very fair as well. Uh, But apparently nothing happened to Akuma. (laughs) Apparently that character is still amazing. Mm. Yeah, I let, let's get into Akuma here in a second because I, I do want to talk about Seth because uh, right. this this last week, uh, Daigo Sako in uh, Machibo, uh, they came out and said that they think that Seth is a great character. Like, and Daigo was even talking about potentially dropping Guile for him, which is horse crap. Like, I, I there's no way you're dropping Guile in this game. That is one of the best characters in the game. And, and I've got a, another theory. Damn it, this is a loaded podcast. I got a lot to say about this. But <laughs> I will just go out and say that uh, Sako pulled out his Seth uh, in Topanga, and he got pieced out by Fudo's Mika 3-0. It was not even particularly close. Um, Seth looks to have really good stuff. Like, And I think you realize that over time that their stuff just isn't that potent. Even though it looks that way, it looks very good. But you watch him do all this crazy stuff, and guess what? The opponent is still alive. And that alive opponent is coming back on Seth and KOing them and knocking them the hell out. And Seth players have to work really hard in neutral, which they can do. You can definitely work really hard in neutral, but you get worn down. You can't keep up with the crazy because the crazy eventually is going to win in Street Fighter V. We know this. That is the random factor of this game. It's the the it's just it's well, there. Well, but the argument so, we're sort of making is that maybe that's been mitigated considerably. It, it it it's been mitigated, but it's still there. Is it has is it gone? Is it completely gone from Street Fighter? Well, it's, no, no, and especially and again the the one the place that I want to look the most for evidence here is G and V Trigger One situations, and if those are deciding rounds or not, which is why I'm sad that we don't have a G here in Topanga. But I do think that the game has very much more become about playing footsies. And if that's the case, then suddenly it's not all about just being able to devour our, get your offense going and just go ham on your opponent. It's like this thoughtful neutral play. And that's somewhere where I think Seth, along with a lot of the rest of the cast, have the ability to to potentially thrive if, if the player is strong. But lower and life... 
Yeah, I completely disagree because Seth gets zoned out really well. And and not only does he uh, they get zoned out really well, they also get blown up hardcore by, you know, random stuff. And it's just like it's a combination of just I think it's a weak character. Um, Sako pulled out uh, Seth to beat Fudo and it didn't come close to working out 3-0. It wasn't the worst 3-0 I've ever seen. Sako got a few rounds, but it was really lopsided. It was not close. It mm-hmm. wasn't even remotely close to close. Um and, and again, it, it just, I, I, I look at this character, I still call them bottom 10. I, I don't think this is going to be a great character, despite what Sako, Daigo, and, and uh, Machibo have, have been saying about them. It's like, look, prove me wrong. Uh, go drop Guile. Go drop a top five <laughs> character potentially in this game, Daigo. And I know you're sandbagging because you admitted to it. And go play Seth. I would love to see it. Go do that. Like, and, and prove me freaking wrong. And of course, Daigo's got bigger things to do than prove me wrong. But, but damn it, I'm going to spout off on the well, podcast. He's not even playing Kage so. either, and he's been spending a t- ton of time playing kage and what i think there's i didn't i haven't watched it yet but fgc translated came out with a video and i think the headline was something along the lines of just kidding guys it's actually kage is the answer not seth but it still doesn't matter because he's that's that's what he plays in his in his casuals or whatever but he's he's playing guile in tournament like exclusively right so whatever daigo we'll 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 believe your actions a lot more than your words we're finding we'll 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 get into that here at the end i i definitely have some some thoughts on japan sandbagging pretty hard potentially with their tier list and their character usage but yeah sure sure um but as far as seth goes um yeah i'm i'm happy to see especially me coming from the street fighter four days i'm happy to see the character not looking like they're going to be a top tier i was kind of afraid of that especially after the initial showcases and then like right after they came out people were pretty excited about them um in ways that made me feel like oh it's going to be a, another seth fest huh where people are just going ham and going crazy and doing doing goofy stuff but it doesn't seem like that's working um I've, I've, i haven't run into a lot of seths online i think i've only run like two or three at most uh, and, and so I don't really have a, a, a strong feel for fighting against the character yet. Uh, but that said, um, somewhere in the middle is what I'm thinking. I don't know about bottom 10 because the character, for, for the faults that you rightly have pointed out, they also have some pretty good uh, individual tools. And, and you also have to consider that people are still figuring um, and, and, and figuring the character out and getting better with them at the same time the other side of that coin is that people are also figuring out how to fight them and haven't necessarily figured out all the particulars of how to to fight them so that maybe they're getting away with stuff it is still fairly early but i i feel somewhere around the middle uh and and until further evidence that's kind of where i'm putting the character as I've said before, I think DLC characters should be good and highly viable in tournament. Or what's the point of adding them to the game? I actually wish Seth was a really good character in this game. I just don't think they are. And, and hey, if I'm proven wrong, I'm actually going to be happy to be proven wrong. Unless it's Daigo doing it, then screw that guy. Because <laughs> Gal to do it. So anyway, um, all right. So John, I, I'm I'm done with putting Daigo on boss for now. I need to ask you if you still think. That Mika is the 21st worst overall character. Like, you know, she's 21 on the tier list, right? Uh, after Topanga. Because Fudo qualified with her. And, and that sound you guys hear, that sound you guys can hear right now, that buzzing, is the entire state of Arizona getting livid at me for this for talking about Mika being a really good character. And let me let me present my arguments here before you respond, John. Because I, I I know where you're going, damn it. I want to say this. Season two Mika got intense nerfs. And, and I completely acknowledge. I understand that that season one Mika was incredible, but after that, this character has generally either had the status quo happen to her or gotten better since season two. 
This is one of the winningest characters in the history of Street Fighter V. I thought she got um, buffs in Season 3, maybe. I don't remember off the top of my head. But then Season 4 and 5, she was almost unchanged. Exactly, exactly. So so let's get into that. So I, I'm going to start with the buff version of Mika here. But Knuckledew won the first Capcom Cup with her and Guile. Fudo got fifth. Luffy got ninth. I get it. Season one, Mika, hella strong character. Everyone pretty much concedes that she was amazing. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time focusing on that. I mm -hmm. get that one. So season two, Mika, after the nerfs, Knuckledew places third overall in the CPT standings using both her and Guile. Fudo gets eighth, and he was using Mika almost exclusively. Season three, Fudo in fourth place at the CPT. Um, and this is the year he actually started to use uh, Birdie along with Mika. Uh, Knuckledew got ninth. He was using Mika as kind of like the third character oftentimes. So still there, still a presence. Luffy 12th place in the CPT. And I want to be clear that this was probably Mika's worst performing season the character has ever had in, in season three. And even then, three people who played her regularly throughout the year qualified for Capcom with her and placed solidly. So then we go to season four, just last year. Fudo got fourth, Knuckledew 11th, Luffy 28th. This is in the CPT standings. And then we had people like Mojo, Joey, El Chacate, Yoyote, Salty Kid, and a few others play super high in the CPT. Uh, they didn't play super high is in the Yoyote CPT Is Yoyote not just a different name for Chakote? It would be awesome if it was the same okay. person, but no, <laughs> from overseas. But their presence oh. <laughs> when they played in tournament was often felt uh, when they attended and whatnot. Those are all Mika mains. This is one of the best, best consistently performing characters in the history of Street Fighter V. The people who main her have not had to drop her entirely. They may have picked up an alt or two, but they've generally been able to ride this character throughout the very beginning until now. I don't get why people continue to underrate her so much. Why do people are like, ah, Mika's kind of whatever. What's underrating This is her, one of like, the best. What, what should we be saying? Like, where should she be at? Certainly not 20th overall. Certainly not in like well, close to the bottom tier in the game. Uh, I mean, we 20th had her, is, think... is mid-tier. Because there's 40 yeah, characters. Yeah, it's now. the bottom the bottom part of mid-tier. But yes, yeah. Um, uh, 21st, I guess, yeah, just outside of it, right? Um, it, it, and she was right uh, next that, to Jury. That's pretty mid-tier, I'm going to yeah, say. You're right, you're right. <laughs> but she was right next to Jury and Cody and Blanca, right? That's That was the big issue that we had with, with the Topanga tier list that came out. This is a this is a character that consistently performs at the very top. I would personally have her around the top 10, top 15. And I think that's a really good spot for her. It's not a gigantic difference, but when you're putting her next to Cody and you're like, this is fine. That's bull crap. Fudo just qualified with her at Topanga again. Again, he used Birdie one time. He used Mika all the rest of the times. How come this character keeps getting away with murder? She is a murderer. And people are like, ah, she's pretty cute. You know, it's yes, fine. And, and okay, so what I would say to this is Mika has strong tools, no doubt. And she also has some goofy neutral that is like reliant on a lot of 50-50 situations. Um, I, she's more dishonest than many in the neutral and she's got some great up close pressure yes um and i think that she also gets away with a lot especially online just because of those sorts of things uh, but at the end of the day does do those things add up to wins it's like well Fudo, most recently, Fudo gets... Yes, um, th that's my whole point. It adds up to massive wins. This is one of the best performing characters in the history of Street Fighter V. It doesn't, it's not even an argument that it adds up to wins or not. That's my whole point. It clearly adds up to wins. How do people ignore this? This is one of the best 
characters in the history of Street Fighter V. It's not an argument. You can't. It's facts. Mika's this not that consistent, though. Like, yes, there have been strong performances by very strong players, but I feel like you could probably grab a handful of other not a very obviously apparent top tiers and make a similar case for them. And I'm also like thinking, let's well, go you through could... the tier, let's go through the character list and do it. Like, let, let's talk about characters who are not top tier who have had the performance that Mika well, has had. And, and I think maybe, I mean, if you want to do that live on the podcast, we can. But it's probably going to take a while. I think uh, a similar, uh, like maybe exercise that we could do that would be a little faster and still kind of get an answer that we'd, we'd be happy with is to just see how many characters are are better than our Mika that we'd put above her and see where she really does fall on the tier list. Because and and, and before we even get into doing something like that. If we, if we want to, what I would say is that, yes, Mika is certainly viable and, and she can win matches. And when I, when I get matched up against a Mika, I'm never comfortable. I'll tell you that for sure. And, uh, and it's definitely a stressful fight every single time. But I think a really solid neutral game is a really big problem for her. And I think she probably has certain matchups where that's a particularly big issue. And then maybe others where, where she just shines. But so the the middle viable tier of Street Fighter V feels massive right now. You're going to have, especially now that we haven't really explored the game fully yet in its season five iteration, you go like, well, we're, we're still trying to hammer things down. And until like a few days ago, a lot of people would say Rashid is top three. And I bet you with Topanga results, they'd change that tune a little bit now. But yeah, so she's somewhere in the middle. That's fair, I think. But the middle is like, you know, maybe I would say somewhere around top 15 all the way up into like top 25. All those characters kind of float around depending on the day, depending on the matchup could could very much be in, in any of that you know, anywhere in that window. And so maybe, yeah, some days Mika's a top 15 and then maybe she's like a top 25 and she can float back and forth between those things. I'm so, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd definitely say that that's the case, but higher than top 15, I think there are easily 15 characters that are, are better than Mika. I mean, when you're when you're putting her top like in the in the 20s, you're you're saying that she's comparable basically to characters like Jury and Cody and Blanca, because that's where you're starting to get to when you start to get in the 20s, and, and that's just not reality in terms of results. Now you can argue that you know based on this is season five, things have changed a lot and other things like that, but that's kind of my whole point is the results show this is one of the best characters in the game, uh, and and some have said that she is a top 10 character for sure and that she is criminally underrated. I've heard a few people talk about it, mostly in Luffy's circles. Because um, they have to play them all the time. And they're like, it is ridiculous that people continue to put Mika like this low. She's probably top five. Uh, I have heard that argument for her, especially last year. Uh, not so much this year, but we haven't really gotten started with the CPT just yet. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, to me, like when you start getting in the 20s, you're really starting to talk about some of the characters who are questionably like, yes, are they viable? I think so. You know, I'm pr- particularly a fan of Cody, you know, and uh, you're starting to get into like kind of that like iffy territory. Like, I don't get what is iffy about Mika at all. That's my point. Like, it's like, how how do people think this character is iffy? And you just mentioned like, you know, the neutral and other stuff like that. I'm like, if her neutral was that bad, she would not be winning against characters like Chun-Li and Karen and other things that she would not well, be able but, to But compete. here's the thing. It's, it's not that the neutrals necessarily... 
it, it's maybe too broad to say that it's bad. It's just not consistent because a lot of times she's like, well, I'm going to jump forward and I'm either going to splash or do a regular jump or it's like I'm drop kicking and you have to deal unless you have like a cool parry or something like that. You have to deal with, well, is she going to release it early or is she going to charge the whole thing and then my plus and whatnot? And she's got a bunch of little kind of weird gimmicky things that they don't always work. But when they do, then she gets in and and that's your ass. Right. And it used to be more so than ever, like in season one. And it's gotten worse and worse over time. Yeah. How can you say that Mika's not consistent when Fudo gets second place at every event on the planet? But I'm sorry, I digress. I get what yeah. you're saying. I'm, I'm being facetious a little bit there with that. Like, I, if, I, I understand what people say on paper about this character, but the results don't back that up at all. It's like they're completely ignoring, you know, the, the, the four years of CPT history or whatever that we're on now. Um, I guess it'd be five years. Um, it, it's like, look, his, his, yes, I get on paper that Mika has some problems getting in sometimes and she could be inconsistent, but the results don't show that. The results show her as one of the best in the game, but I, I digress. Like, I, I think you and I can go tit for that tad on this one for a little while, but um, I, I wanted to put that out there again because Mika, yet again, guess what she qualified for the next round of Topanga with Fudo you know kind of thing it's, it's not like it, it, it's you know this just happened so I, I had to throw it out there um, but anyway I, I, let's go ahead and move on unless you had anything else on that well I, I do want to maybe just rapid fire go down and, and list characters and see how many characters you think are better than Mika and see where she kind of like well generally how far down she goes let, let's get into that when we do our event hubs tier list, which is definitely coming up. We've been putting people on blast here very much for their tier list, and I want the whole team to sit down, and we're going to do it just like we did in Season 4 and do a big, giant tier list of the game. Um, but again, like I said, when you're getting into the 20s, you're getting into characters like Jury, uh, Cody, Blanca, Nash, and a few others, and I'm going, yeah, this is Mika's a way better character than all of those people. And that's I'll, I'll do it after. Issue. Yeah, I'll do it after we, we record here, just because, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a very specific idea. I, obviously, I'm like maybe top 15 to top 25, somewhere in that general realm, but I haven't thought about it for Mika specifically. But yeah, that's what I'll, I'll do is I'll go through and, and like say, well, is she better than Rashid or not? No, okay. Is she better than G, better than Bison, Karen, Guile, whatever, and, and see how far until I'm like, and, and being as fair as possible and see where she kind of lands. It's like, all right, and, and, and get back to you. Um, and okay. let you know. And then, yeah, and, uh, and then we should do the Event Hubs tier list. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying on Mika is Great Island. I, I might be the only person, me and a couple other people you from think Europe she's, that have to... She's like in, yeah. what, top 15? Number 10? Uh, where, where would you kind of generally put her? I think she's probably at least top 15 in this game. She might be top 10. Uh, she's pretty darn good and like criminally underrated. Um, that's kind of my point about it. And uh, and uh, some of it might partners, be the PTSD but, from season one. That's sure because that was gnarly, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Luffy's training partners are going to be on me you know, with me, I should say. Hopefully not on me. You know, islands get weird, I guess. But we're going to be on that <laughs> island saying that this character is freaking uh, way too good, and people are just underselling her like constantly and whatnot. And that's what we're going to be. And, and there it is. But Mika anyway, so, Island. Mika Island. It's going to be. Nemo! Awesome, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Nemo's Gill, uh, or Nemo, I should say, um, uh, messing up my pronunciation now. So, anyway, speaking of, of underrated characters, I wanted to talk about Nemo's Gill. Okay. Gil is uh, has already some really solid zoning skills with his fireballs. Great anti-air. He's slippery. This dude is slippery. Like he reminds me kind of like Minot or Dalsim in terms of like how he's able to kind of escape from situations. A uh, big part of that is his exceptional three-frame crouching light punch, uh, and his parry looks super legit. And I know I just said a parry looks super legit. And, and so you go, okay, well we've got reuse, we've got a It's much better like, than reuse, and well in some ways. 
Yeah, it's a frame faster than both Ryu and Akuma, and it also recovers faster than Ryu's. And that right there, that frame faster, two frame startup on it, makes it a big difference. Uh, just a few frames is, we already know in this game, like on really strong moves, if you make them a frame or two faster, how much like they could be breaking the game. I'm not saying his parry is breaking the game, I'm just saying it's very legit because I'm watching Nemo set it up, going, oh, you're trying to do like a normal block string like you always do in... Um, in Street Fighter Five, well, my my parry now is a frame faster than even Akuma's, and you guys have watched what Akuma can do to like someone who tries to like V reversal, right? Mm. When he knows something is coming with Gil's very long combos with his retribution mechanic, he's able to get some big damage out there, and and the way that Nemo is playing the character, um, and the way that he's like he's going from zoning to rush down to mix ups, like this guy has all around game. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this character and going and going, holy crap! Like, how good is him? So just a, a few other rundowns of, of good stuff that Gil has. Very strong buttons and normals. A three-frame armor tackle. And as I mentioned before, the very long and damaging combos. So you might be asking yourself, why the hell it did, you know, uh, Nemo's Gil only do, like, you know, three and four or four and four, whatever it was. Because of Mika. Uh, the, we get it, John. We get it. <laughs> no, Mika's good. Mika. Uh, Nemo's Gil is not polished yet. It's getting there, but the combos and zoning and setups, like, they're not fully locked in, like like his Urian was. Like, you watch Nemo's Urian, and you're like, holy crap, this guy's doing combos I've never seen before. Uh, he's rarely dropping stuff. He's very impressive with how he plays. His gill is impressive in the newness of it and, like, what he's already been able to eke out of the character. It's not impressive in terms of, like, how often, like, he's, you know, executing on things, like, perfectly and all that kind of stuff. I, he's having a lot of drops. He's having a lot of, like, matchup, you know, um, uh, blanks where he's he's really struggling to get stuff going and, and and find alternatives when people blow up his core strategy right so um i think that i think that there is a lot of potential with gil i think he's going to be damn scary when it gets going um and, and i specifically think with nemo um and, and it's, it's really hard for me we were just talking about tears and people are immediately going to go so where's this tear ranking you know jerk you know mm -hmm. kind of thing especially the mika fans out there um I don't want to. I don't want to make a tier ranking based on Nemo alone because this guy is a damn freak of nature, and I mean that in an extremely good way. He plays unlike most players on the planet, and he sets up things that are flat out bonkers. That it's like that doesn't work, you know, kind of thing. Of what Nemo makes it work. So I don't want to judge too heavily on Gil's strength purely on how Nemo plays. Um, it's just it's too difficult, but. He's not the only Gil player out there right now. Uh, and this is a reasonably popular character still. I want to see how more people are doing with him, but look out for Gil. I think this is going to be a very good, a very solid character. And, and I think he's going to be a presence in tournament. He already has been. Um, it's, and damn, is Gil fun to watch. You watch, go back and watch the Topanga matches with Nemo. They are freaking fun to see. But, uh, but yeah, those retribution combos that carry you three fourths of a screen and, and they blow up six times and your character is frozen and then they're on fire and all this cool stuff. Uh, it's he's certainly an esports watchable character. And you're right. He seems to be about a jack of all trades when it comes to what's good in fighting games. And yet maybe it's his technicality that's holding him back. And if that's the case, it's only going to hold him back for a certain amount of time because people will overcome that obstacle for sure. It sounds like, I mean, the way you just put it, I'm like, oh my gosh, is Gil a top character? Like, is he top five all of a sudden? And and in my experiences, I played some, like, I think Dankadia's Gil and, and a handful. He's a fairly popular character online as well. But he um, 
he seems like he's got a ton of potential and you'd expect as much out of a boss character and Gil comes with brings with him a presence of like you know he's this like godlike transcended um, very feared and, and OP character from Third Strike and so you want to still capture that and I think Capcom sort of has but you at the same time very much don't want to make him broken and for all of the positives that we've said about what he's able to do I, I I don't feel like he's broken. I don't feel like mm-hmm. he's at that place where like he, he has an option for almost every situation. Thank goodness he doesn't have a reversal DP, but that parry can start to, to serve well somewhat in that space to a degree. Yes. And oh, yeah. uh, but but he has and, to choose high low too, which is nice. On the parry, I just want to jump in and say that he can get with the way Nemo's doing it a full punish it's not just oh i'm getting a reversal dp i'm getting oki or whatever he's getting a full punish on that parry if he successfully baits out one of your moves and because gill's normals and his damage are really strong from that parry yeah that was my biggest gripe i think with ryu's parry right because i was playing the character when the game first dropped and not only did it not do a lot to build your your v gauge but also the recovery time was very much not third strike in. It was it took forever. And and if they were doing like a light move and you and you parried it, it was like, well, good job. You took the gray damage and also you got a little tiny bit of meter. I think you did do like 16 times to fill your V gauge, which is like that's never gonna happen in a round. Uh, it, it just seemed like kind of worthless. And then also it came with the risk of well, you get crush countered if you're wrong. So have fun. Mm-hmm. And season one crush counter with no scaling and uh, ugh, Ooh, ugh. yeah, cool. Life used to be hard, man. <laughs> but with with Gil. <laughs> One, it's like you can't jump at the guy because his anti-airs, which I think are heavy moves, are amazing and they lead into his crazy juggles. He can he has the ability to zone you. He has I wouldn't call them just do its, but he certainly has some moves that he can th- well, he can throw them out there and maybe they don't they don't lead into a ton more, so it's more justified. Because like you can have a maybe a, a just move a just do it move that doesn't lead into everything. And it's like, okay, well then maybe the risk reward is appropriate because it's just by itself and it you know, um, and, and I think he has a few moves like that. The technicality thing is holding him back a little bit, but uh, he's probably going to continue to rise on the tier lists and in, in, in our perception of how um, how strong his abilities are. Yeah, he, he does look like one. He's a fun looking character. Or I should say fun to watch character. He's got more potential in the chamber. And do you have, I know you said you didn't want to like kind of rank him, but do you have a general idea based not on Nemo's play, but more so just the the fact that he has all these tools and once they're working together, like a well-oiled machine, where do you play skill generally? Um, I'll I'll answer this. Like one of the things I, I, I'll mention is like this is the marked difference to me in in um, between Seth and Gil the the difference in usage and how strong they look. That's why I have Seth Seth low and Gil like I'm very high on. Um, relatively speaking, I think the worst case scenario for Gil is that he is a viable tournament character, and that probably places him somewhere in the top twenty. Um, I'm not sure how far up. It's really Nemo is just such an unusual player, and that is his history in fighting games where he can take characters and just. He's so unorthodox with them, and I, I, I. That's why I'm so hesitant to rank him. If it was Fudo playing Gil or something like that, I'd be like, oh yeah, like this is exactly this is ex- how I feel. It's freaking Nemo. It's like I can't get a read on you, and neither can anyone else because of how unusual you play this character. Uh, but I would say uh, I would bet probably hundred bucks without blinking uh, that that Gil is top twenty. He seems to not. Well, with as many strengths and abilities and, and such a versatile arsenal of tools, I'd imagine he doesn't have a ton of bad matchups. Because 
Well, are you going to zone him out? Well, he'll start throwing comments and whatnot at you. And are you, are you going to jump at him? He's got great anti-airs. And uh, I, I'm not sure that I see a specific kind of style or character archetype that might counter him. That might be completely wrong. But mm-hmm. f- with, with all of his tools, it's like it seems like he has something for every situation, more or less. I think that where Gil is going to run into trouble is against some characters who just have hard counters to what he does. Like, you know, just they... they they beat out his tools. Like, let's say Rashid is just like a, naturally a hard counter because his normals are way better than Gil's, right? That's where Gil can run into some trouble and, and have, you know, issues and whatnot. But as you mentioned, his tool set is so well-rounded, I don't think it's going to happen very often. And I think that he is going to be, again, he could just play in so many styles. He's a, he's a really good Swiss Army knife in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's going to to lend him to being a strong tournament viable character. Um, I just think he's flat out good, so... Let me ask you this. Do you think he's better than um, Armika? I think Armika's better. Oh, so. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now let me think about that for a second because I should answer that question too. When I think of Gil, I, right now I'm saying top 15 with the potential of once we get further evidence of top 10-ish. With Mika, I, I'm, I, know, I, I think I'd still put Gil above Mika. I think mm. Mika has her tricks, but Gil has more tricks and they're more well-rounded. Fair enough. All right, so speaking of, of two previously very top-end characters that we haven't talked about yet, Karen and Bison are still damn good. Guess what? They're actually great characters still. They were not nerfed into Oblivion. Mago got first place in Block A with a combination of Karen and Cammy, playing Karen just a slight bit more than he played Cammy. Mm-hmm. Yep, Karen got some nerfs, but I still think she is an S-tier character. Punk is still playing her. A bunch of other people are still playing her. Uh, the the um, reports, the rumors of her demise were greatly exaggerated, as they say. Uh, Cammy is likely an S-tier character in this game, and, and Mago is 100% A-tiers enthusiast. We know this about Mago. He's yeah. going, whoever the top tier is at, he is definitely going to it. And again, that's evidence for Karen still being really good, right? Uh, and so next up here, we've got uh, Bison, Dogra, also qualified playing bison out of block a and he only used bison throughout the tournament no urine at all uh i didn't really understand i go back to this i didn't really understand why people dropped karen and bison so low on their tier list while both characters got hit look i get that they were freaking insanely good in past seasons like really 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 good and 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 you look over the changes that they got and their changes weren't that bad and it's like people dropping you know uh, akuma or yeah akuma into b tier and stuff like that And, and Sure. Uh, what? You don't know? No, actually, not not sure. Not like what the hell's going on? What do you think? We thinking? should have learned by so, now that every time Akuma starts out amazing, gets huge nerfs, and ends up amazing. So yes, <laughs> we're like oh man, Akuma got nerfed into the ground. You mean the ground of like S tier? Like yeah. maybe he's second in the game now. <laughs> got nerfed into the high ground. But anyway, yeah. hey. um, so, I did it. Oh so, yeah. Um, so I I could see maybe people picking up some alts if they mained Bison and Current before, where it's like, hey, I need to. I need to have someone to kind of cover Karen and Bison's bad matchups where I didn't need that before. I could see that for sure. But uh, they're both still very strong in this game, and I think the Topanga results showed this very clearly. Yeah, I don't disagree. There was a lot of negativity, um, or not even negativity, but just uh, a lot of rain clouds around Karen when this patch dropped. And I, it's, it's more about what is the significant... Um, like, every season has like the thing that if you're good at this thing at this aspect of the game then you're gonna probably thrive unless you can make like like remember how zoning was never really a thing but then guile was like one of the few that was good enough at zoning that he could make it work 
and then Monat to an extent as well. But she was a combo of zoning and crazy V trigger situations and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, but usually like there's that thing, and it's like maybe your character gets nerfed in a in certain ways that it's like that sucks. You don't have those tools there, but you're still able to rest on the foundations of what your character still does have, and those are. Uh, those strengths are ones that resonate a lot more. And whatever Karen has become, she still works in the neutral just fine. And, and I think that's where they kind of attacked her too and buffed everybody yeah. else up with um, health and more life. But it's like you're talking about she's whiffing and getting punished for when she whiffs. That's that's completely fair. And at the higher levels, you're just like the answer is don't whiff like that. you know. Or if you see yourself getting hit in a certain situation, don't repeat it. But as far as confirming, it's like, well, if they block it, you don't do it. And if you like the, the tools that Punk has are still going to be very, very, very viable. And Punk and any other Karen player that's been playing the character for a while. So it makes total sense that she would still be very much in the conversation. She might have fallen down a few pegs, but top 10 still like I have no reason to think that like unless a bunch of people rose up and, and eclipsed her or, or passed her, then sure. But I don't think that's the case either. I think she's maybe she's not a top three but still like a, at least a top 10, probably a top five. And she did lose some Moki too. I want to be clear that her forward throw now goes mo- more distance, right? I mean, but it also means like she throws you into the corner or something like that a little bit more. Um, uh, or I guess, no, she she flies out she a little has. bit more. So she gets less Oki on it. My, my apologies. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and there's a few things like that with her. I mean, she got a number of changes, but it's also, you know, less stun, a few things like that. So she's not going to kill you as quickly. I mean, she got some noticeable stuff, but not to the point where it's going to just knock her off the tier list. It's like this was a dominant character and a lot of the other dominant characters got you know nerfed around her except for g <laughs> um and and so she's gonna be really good she's gonna be real good so i agree so yeah. and then as far as bison i don't i off the top of my head i don't know what his particular nerfs were but the character uh, the had a ones long him, way to fall and still be okay i know that yeah his major nerfs were um stand heavy punch and then his uh, devil dick move they are both much more whiff punishable so that's pretty much it. Oh, sure. So again, it's a situation of, well, like, don't whiff your your haymakers, which it mm-hmm. should be day one stuff. And then Street Fighter V made it so that it was okay to whiff your haymakers. Uh, but now it's not the case. It's like, okay, so we're not playing goofy, happy-go-lucky, just swing for the fences constantly. But even so, you don't have to be good at only goofy, happy-go-lucky swing for the fences in order to be good in this game. And so these characters can just exploit the other parts of their games that are still strong and still viable. And, hey, that's exactly what we want to see. It's not that we don't want to see Karen being a high-tier character or Bison wanted being a high-tier character. That's fine. Someone's got to be there. You just don't want them doing it in such a goofy way. And um, so, hey, good luck. Yeah, I don't want Bison being a high-tier character. Screw that guy. (laughs) He's caused a lot of salt over the uh, last four years. Oh, man. So speaking of high-tier characters, Tokido Shocker is playing Akuma. He went 8-0 in Topanga. Uh, No one could beat this guy. Undefeated. Oh, guess what? What, Guess what character he did not play, even though it was number one in the tier list that he put out with, you know, two other players. Nothing of Urien. Oh, Urien. Not a single one. And his Urian looked like garbage. And I almost wonder, I almost wonder if this dude was sandbagging to keep Akuma from getting nerfed further. And, okay, so put on your conspiracy hats with me. Tinfoil hats, put them on. Conspiracy John is coming out. 
I believe there are huge names in the community who are sandbagging with their tier list and with their characters so Capcom does not nerf their mains. And are they were anyway. Tokido is potentially one of them, obviously. Daigo flat out admitted he's doing this. Not with his tier list, but like he wasn't playing Guile because he's like, Guile's so good, I don't want my character nerfed. I'm going to go play Kage and Seth. Seth's top tier. Nerf them, Capcom. Please nerf them, not Guile. Right? I think they're doing it on purpose because their job is to win. Their job is to to perform right and and it's their job is much harder if their character is not that great they we mentioned it before some some of the tier lists i think one of them from japan had to uh okuma clear down in b tier a b tier character goes eight no against some of the best players on the planet sure sure yeah whatever and, and this number one character that uh, urian that you put as number one like you didn't even freaking play him like yeah this is bullcrap so i'm i, I am calling bullcrap on I, some I of the pro G players is number one yeah, I think I think there's a good chance at that. I, I previously had a Buki up there, and I, I've definitely knocked her down a few pegs, but probably top five. But I, I think G is probably going to be number one too. But I think that some players are actually sandbagging with the um, with the tier list, uh, and and especially their early sessions on CFM because they know Event Hubs is reporting on that crap. It's like, damn it, they're onto us. But or maybe onto you guys, you, you know, and and seeing what you're doing here, so your characters don't get nerfed throughout the season. And we know Capcom doesn't do a lot of balance changes, so this is a time to sandbag. It's a time to put out the crappy tier list with Dalsim as the worst character in the game somehow, and, and do all this kind of stuff so that your characters don't get obliterated. And damn it. I I think he pulled it off. Uh, big ups to him. Uh, and you know what? He's going to probably have an OP, like Akuma, OP, whatever. A, a very top-end character to run with for the first half of the season and, and probably do very well with. And damn it, props to them. I think they did so, it. So. so the cutoff for when Capcom might have released like a 0.5 balance patch or put their notes in for what they want to do for one was sometime between Evo Japan and Topanga? I, I would think that it's already done, especially with how they're doing the CPT stuff and how well-received the balances have been. Um, they're, they're splitting the CPT into two seasons. And a, a big reason to do that is if you want to you know introduce some new balance changes in June, July, uh, August, wherever it's going to be at. It makes a lot of sense to redo it then. They've already said they're going to lock the game down for the Intel World Open. Right. Like that's that's a, a for sure thing they have said. We're getting really close to that. And they've been working very hard on the netcode fix and a bunch of other things. The balance is well-received. I would be a little surprised if we saw a 0.5 balance uh, patch, especially since we did not see one at all last year for season four. No, I don't think we'll see one either. Th I until, think when we until the next season starts up, I should be clear. But yes, yeah, like a yearly balance patch, sure. Which was their initial plan was to just do it once a year. I think the 0.5 uh, uh, balance to be clear. Uh, I actually, since they're splitting up the seasons, I think that I think another one's coming right after Evo. So, um, I because they've talked about splitting up the seasons, but it, yeah, I just wanted sure, to be clear. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as the uh, 0.5 patches that we've seen in the past, I think that was much more a response to players going crazy with their tears and um, like pointing out things like Abigail. Like they, there was emergency problems that was legitimate. They were legitimately hurting the uh, like kind of the integrity of the game in the eyes of a lot of people, and they had to go attend to like season three Abigail and and Rashid and and things along those lines to keep people from uh, like just saying this is like. A, a worthless experience because these characters are just going to win everything, right? So um, 
I, I think that's more the reason we had those balance patches. It was more about an emergency mm-hmm. necessity than anything else. But I don't think that's what's going on um, right now. I don't think that the I think the game's in a pretty good place balance wise, and that Akuma has already been hit fairly significantly. Mm-hmm. That, not to say that he's fallen out of the uh, the top tiers. Obviously not. You, Tokido's very clearly gotten the job done. But if Tokido were still going to be like sandbagging or, or were taking the sandbagging approach, I don't think you destroy Topanga League with your character now. I think you you get enough to qualify, and then if you're sandbagging, then maybe you take it easy in the latter matches and, and like you know give a, a game or two. I think that's what sandbagging at this point would look like. Um, so I, and and as far as Evo Japan and him playing Urian, I think he was trying it on because he also had probably a theory like a lot do that Urian's going to be one of the absolute best, and and maybe it's just something to try on for a little bit. There's a lot of exploration once a new patch drops like this. So uh, yeah, I, I I really I can't see. I don't really see the sandbagging thing for this, and 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 in preparation for Capcom potentially nerfing or something, I don't think that the influence is going to be there. I think that the character just remained pretty good, and uh, and that Tokido's not used to Urian. I think if you saw Tokido with three years of Urian practice, it'd be very different. Of course, it would. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that Akuma's a really good character still, and and Urian's a really good character still, but. Tokido is your or Tokido is Akuma, right? Like he's the murder face, he's the demon. He's one of those uh, players that have almost kind of adopted the uh, the character as part of of their persona in a sense. So, I always suspected that we would just see Tokido Yurian. I mean, uh, I always suspected we would just see Tokido Akuma. So you're not joining me on Armika and conspiracy sandbagging Japan theory island. I, I'm I'm disappointed in you, John. I, I'm 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 out here on my own island. I've only got a handful of people with me, and you know what? You're, you're I kind of don't want to hang out on Mika conspiracy island. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it, it's my I'm chewing on this. I, I'm definitely not sure of it, but man, what it, wouldn't it ever be like the greatest con? Like like Daigo's like yeah, I'm definitely not playing Guile. Uh, Seth, top 10, you know, kind of thing, like focus a lot on this character and just ignore what I'm doing with my actual character over here. And then and I, I loved it, dude. Tokido's Yurian looked like garbage. Like go back and watch the footage. He's like struggling with basic combos and things. I'm like, is he even playing this character? Like, why does he, like, why? What you know? It's mm-hmm. it just it, and then he goes eight no one to Panga. Like you know, you're thinking like, oh, Tokido, he's washed up, right? He's definitely washed up. Or like he, you know, the powerful uh, you know Akuma was carrying him and all that kind of stuff. Like all this stuff is going through my head. You know, damn it! Like in, in Japan, he played you- very, very. Um, again, it wasn't V Trigger that ended these rounds most of the time, or it wasn't V-Trigger that was the deciding factor way above everything else. V-Trigger was there, and it's nice to have, and that's exactly what you want out of a V-Trigger, but it was a ton of neutral play. It was get a a little bit of life here, a little bit of life there, and whittle life bars down. And even with a lower health character, like, well, I mean, he was winning more often than not, so his life bar wasn't the the deciding factor in when rounds ended. But again, even Tokido's games, they were going down into the 30s and such and so it's it's so far across the board maybe with the exception of the urian games i watched a lot of these matches were just became neutral fests that ended after like a full minute of play in almost every round oh, so yeah. oh yeah 
All right. Well, we're going to go and wrap this up before I start saying like aliens are going to come and play us at Street Fighter Five or wherever I'm going next with this because <laughs> I've lost it. Clearly. You and Conspiracy <laughs> Mika Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, y'all, thank you so much for listening to my madness. Uh, and John's actually uh, accurate and well thought out stuff, but definitely my crazy. Um, it's a wonderful we'll, balance of order and chaos. <laughs> there you go. Just like Mika, right? But anyway, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. We'll be back with you guys soon. See ya.